You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am your host, nurse practitioner Claire O'Brien, and today we have coordinated schedules across the pond, and I have Dr. Justine Cluck, who is a board-certified dermatologist and skincare expert, certainly more than I am, and I'm so thrilled to have her here today to answer all of your questions and my questions, frankly. Um, We're going to talk a lot about acne, and I'm going to have her give her a little intro, but I'm just, I'm so excited, and thank you so much for for coming and coordinating your schedule and jumping through hoops to be here today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So tell you a little bit about me for your listeners. Um, So I'm what we call a consultant dermatologist in the UK, but the equivalent um, for your listeners in the US is a board certified dermatologist. I came to do this because of my own personal experience of having acne. I developed acne at the age of 12 and still take treatment for it at 41. So it's been a feature of my life for most of my life. Um, And I then went to study dermatology and then founded my dermatology clinic in 2016. Um, We're a multidisciplinary clinic. So we're four dermatologists now working together. We specialize in acne. That's my big passion in life. But we also have with us a psychologist who specializes in psychodermatology. So this field where, you know, our mental and emotional well-being intersects with our skin health. A gynecologist, because a lot of our patients are females um, and Mm -hmm. we know that hormonal health also impacts on skin health. And we have a plastic surgeon because a lot of our patients have scarring and also have concerns about skin aging. So this is um, the setup we have. And I think the most exciting thing I can add to that is that this year I've launched an online course, a training for women who are suffering with adult acne. Because you know, my observation over the last few years is that I have the same conversations every day with women. You know, why me? Why now? What are the underlying factors? Right. How do I look after my skin? You know what? You know what are the different treatments? Um, and so I wanted to make that information more accessible, so people don't have to pay to come and see a dermatologist in a private clinic to get some basic information that I think we should all be privy to, and that can inform discussions with people's own doctors. So I'm not trying to treat them, but really just to empower them with information, so that when they go and see their doctor if they need to, they can say, "Hey." you go and have an educated conversation, basically, that you don't have to go, you know, you go in there and you know what you need to ask already, that kind of thing. Okay. So when you're saying acne too, this is something that I feel like I I would love for you to talk a little bit about. I I think there's sort of a misunderstanding, uh, at least on the consumer side of the word breakout versus acne. And, and it's just, I mean, to me at the end of the day, semantics, Um, but it's almost, I find kind of difficult to convince people that Hey, you, you have, you have acne. Does that happen to you? Or people just say, Oh no, I don't have acne. I just break out sometimes. It's a great question. I think by the time people come to see me in the clinic, often they know they have acne. They've 
typically been struggling for a really long time. I think the interesting thing with acne is there are a few medical conditions that people would put up with for 10 or 15 or 20 years before really getting, you know, effective help. Um, so true. So, so I think a lot of time, yeah, by the time they come to see me, they know it's acne. But I think acne can si- sound quite scary if you are right. having some breakouts and you hear the word acne, it sounds more official somewhat, right? It sounds more scary. It sounds like it might maybe more problematic. Um, But this is, acne is a spectrum is the way I I usually describe it to to people. At one end of the spectrum is what typically people think of as acne. So, you know, nodules or cysts, deep red swellings in the skin that are painful. There is another end of the spectrum, which is blackheads are a form of acne. Okay. Mm -hmm. We call them comedones. That's the official word. Those are all sort of white heads or texture, closed comedones. Those are a form of acne. Uh, And there's lots of different sort of degrees of difference in the middle. So acne is the umbrella term encompassing all of those. Not everyone who has acne does need to see a doctor. A lot of people can self-manage if it's mild enough. It's not affecting their self-esteem and their mental health. It's not causing scarring. It's not causing discoloration. Sure, they can self-manage. But then, you know, if if someone is struggling with some of those things I just mentioned, then definitely that tells us it's a more severe problem and then medical help is absolutely justified. It's it's time. Yeah, it's, it's time. And I had that conversation, a really difficult conversation recently with a with a patient that so I have a question in the end of this but I she really didn't want to be on a prescription and I'm not sure why but just was really resistant to that and so I I would love for you to talk about and and I feel like that's kind of common almost like putting people in that fear base like well this means I have a really significant diagnosis and and I don't want to be on a drug but where when do you say Okay, you're you're on the best skincare you could possibly be on, but now you've got to be on a prescription. I think it's an honest conversation. I would never force someone to take a prescription if they didn't feel like it was the right thing to right. do for them. I think part of managing people's acne for me is like I think there's three components to it. The first component is education. So, mm-hmm. you know, why is it happening? What are the underlying factors? is there something there that we can potentially address that might lessen the load? And I'm thinking about things like lifestyle things, like stress levels, like hormonal health. Then I think the second component is skin care. One of the things that's really interesting to me is when I was training to be a doctor and a dermatologist, the emphasis was mainly on medical management of acne. But the obvious thing we were missing was how do you actually look after your skin yourself when you're at home? You've got these pills to take or you've got this prescription cream to use, but what do you do the rest of the time when you're looking after your skin and how can you optimize your results by doing that? And I think, thank goodness, things have changed quite a lot and there's a big emphasis on skincare these days, but we can, you know, that piece needs to be addressed as well. So there's a lot we can do there. I'm happy to go into details in a moment about, you know, what one does with their skincare to optimize um, for, for reducing the inflammation of acne. And then I think the third piece is medical management. And not everybody needs the medical management, as I've already said. But I think if a, if to you, your acne is severe, then I think it may warrant medical management. And that doesn't mean have to mean the sort of most potent oral medicines. It may just be a prescription cream that's necessary. One of the things that's really interesting and important to know about acne is levels of distress with acne don't always correlate with 
clinical severity, so with what you see. So we know that distress levels can be really high in people who to someone else looks like they have relatively mild acne. That might be bothering them significantly every morning when they're getting ready to face the day, even if to others it looks like it's just a couple of pimples. So we have to take into account, you know, how how severely is it impacting, you know, how how bad does the person feel about it, as well as some of the objective markers like are there scars and marks forming on the skin? Is there nodules and cysts, the bigger swellings can be painful. So those types of acne, you know, often require uh, medical management and there's a whole toolkit of things that we can use. And oftentimes if prescriptions are needed, and people are a little bit reluctant. I think it's talking about what the different options are. People often have a preconceived idea of the doctor's just going to give me this or they're just going to give me right. that. And they don't realize actually there are some choices. Okay, we don't have a hundred different medicines that we can offer, unfortunately. But, you know, there may be sort of five or six different things that we can use. And if, you know, we sort of talk through the different options, and often people can find something that they are comfortable with. Yeah, it's it's so hard because you want, you know, you like you said, the distress level is so different for different people and it may depend on their their job, their, you know, level of anxiety about other things. I mean, we just it's it's so personalized and it can be it can be really very distressing for a lot of patients. Okay, you mentioned skincare. If you if you had to say, if you're listening and you feel like you have acne and you don't know what you're doing with your Skincare, first of all, I can help you. I'm happy to help you with that. But what, like, what, what do you say when, <laughs> when you're just gen- giving a general advice for for skincare routine for someone who has acne? So I think when we we start the conversation in the clinic, I usually say, "What are you doing now?" Because I think it's important to meet people where they're at and to give them realistic things to do. Um, so, so I want to know. So true, yeah. Lord. I can't give yeah. you 15 steps if you're only willing to do three. Like, I, you have to know your patient. I'm sorry. Yeah, like yeah and and, exa- and absolutely. And in the other direction as well, if someone's already doing 15 steps and they love doing 15 steps, I'm going to tell them to simplify it for sure. But yeah. I know that a kind of person who's using a 15 step routine is going to feel pretty dissatisfied if they're just going down to a two or three step routine. Right. They're going to feel right. like I'm robbing them of their joy. Their joy, yeah. I rob yeah. anyone of their joy. Exactly. So we, we can, as I say, so we need to meet people where they are. So start with finding out what they're doing already. I think I, I will often start with talking about what, you know, what are the necessary things to have in our routine and what are the nice to haves and focus on keeping things simple, making the routine targeted, keeping nice to haves for a later time when the skin is under control um, mm-hmm. and avoiding anything that's actively going to hinder our progress. So what I mean by that is the necessaries to me are you need something to cleanse your skin with. And I typically advocate cleansing skin twice a day. It's, right. you know, some people just want to do it once a day. That's okay. But I normally recommend twice a day, morning and evening. I usually suggest with cleansing using a gentle cream or gel cleanser, often because I'm going to encourage the person to use some either a topical prescription or an active over-the-counter targeted ingredient in their routine. So I don't want to be sort of ramping up the low-grade level of irritation and inflammation in the skin by putting, exactly, by putting too many actors in the routine together. So let's let the heroes sing and let's let everything else be the supporting act. So gentle, creamy cleanser, avoiding anything that's sort of, um, you know, got grains or exfoliate, you know, some like 
polishes, I, I'm not sort of into those, you know, often because if you think about acne as being an inflammation of the skin, it's a chronic inflammatory condition of the skin. And if you imagine any other inflamed surface, often said, like imagine a burn or a scald on your skin, you wouldn't go and rub, scrub something over that. You just know it's going to make it more raw, more inflamed, et cetera. With acne, somehow people often feel like they're, they're unclean or they're angry with their skin and they just scrub it with all these things. Often, you know, skincare products marketed for people who have acne have these sort of grainy scrubs and things like this. I don't like those. It's simple, creamy or gel cleanser. Okay. You want to moisturize your skin too. Um, so we know that that supports our skin barrier. You know, optimizing skin barrier function is important. People who have acne often shy away from using moisturizers because you'll have seen this as well. They're worried about it, cl moisturizer clogging up their pores. As long as they use a, a moisturizer that is non-comedogenic, so non-pore blocking, then that shouldn't be a problem. And actually, we can calm inflammation in our skin by moisturizing. It soothes the skin. And we want to protect our skin in the sun for all the different reasons people know that they we tell them to use sunscreen, reduce their risk of skin cancer, promote healthy skin aging. But also when you have acne, often they're going to be red or brown marks being left on the skin. Right. And we will fade those much more quickly if, if they use sunscreen as part of their acne treatment. And I think that's particularly important in skin of color, where we know that some of the pigment changes are as problematic for, for people with the acne as the acne itself and can take a really long time to get better. So Treat. I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. So those are the sort of, so we need those three core things. And, and then I would advise, I, you know, I think this is no, this is not a rule, but my own personal preference is for people to keep it simple in terms of tools and devices. So I've already talked about scrubs. I'm not a big fan of those. Oh, I mean, like a yeah. like a Clarisonic or something, like the yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want to like single out Clarisonic as being you know. Oh de God, you know, sorry, Clarisonic. And yeah, it's just <laughs> no, what comes to mind. The, there's a million no, no, of them no, no, though. Yeah. There's Zoe, Clarisonic, and well, there's a billion of those little like rotating brushes, things that mm -hmm. sort of with bells and whistles and what have you. Like you don't need that. You just need clean fingertips massage you know your your cleanser in gently without rinse it off with warm water you can use a flannel you know you can use your fingers so I, I sort of the less instrumentation the better and then I'll also sort of look at what's you know at what how you talked about number of steps in a routine like we don't need 15 steps in a routine you know we you know I think you know I ultimately what would be nice in someone who didn't have an inflamed skin or was wanting to support good skin health throughout life we might want to have an antioxidant serum in the morning as well we may want to have something in the evening that helps to promote cell turnover like a retinoid so we you know we can we can still use the antioxidant serum in the morning for people who have acne but we might, you know, with the actors, we then start looking at what's really targeted at the acne and, you know, prioritize which agents we might use. We don't have to use all of them. You know, one of the things I'm sure you see this as well is that people panic when they get breakouts and they just reach yes. for everything. Yes. They either reach for everything and overcomplicate the routine, in which case their skin gets irritated and that may not be helpful for the acne. Or they're going around with red, dry, sore skin and breakouts at the same time. Or the other scenario I see is that people are not consistent with their routine because, again, they're panicked. And, and there's so much marketing products targeted to people who 
um, have acne or breakouts. So it can be tempting to try something for five minutes and then yeah. you think, ah, it's not working. <laughs> and then you go and grab something else and then you go and grab the other and then you see an ad for something else. And then so you're kind of all over the show and not giving your skin enough time to respond to the intervention and actually see the results. And consistency is something that I just, the first thing I say in a consult is I would rather have you do three products consistently than six products sometimes all over the place. And, and like you said, people want to fix and they panic and they really want a treatment or a, a mask or a something. And that's just not a long-term solution. I mean, there are, of course, some, you know, like a little sulfur spot treatment or something like that that may help temporarily, but that's that one pimple, that one time it might help, but it's not helping your overall treatment without the consistency of your daily routine. I mean, that which that I feel like is true for any skin condition, mm -hmm. you know, melasma, rosacea, all of it. You, you have to be consistent. It's, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I feel this way about a lot of advice in the sort of health and wellness space. There's so many well-meaning people giving tips about things that we should do and it's start, you know, and products we should use. And it, you start to feel like in order to have my best skin, I need to do all of these things. And right. so we try to incorporate too much for good reasons because a lot of the stuff we read, you know, here is valid, but you know, a lot of, it ends up like some things conflict with the other things. And so I think, I think kind of right. keeping it simple and also even just choosing your expert, I think just while I think about it is an important thing, you know, with access to social media and lots of people, some more expert than others, you know, get giving advice. Sometimes you, you know, you kind of jumping from this to that. Um, so I think also just, you know, ch choosing a track saying, I'm going to give this a chance, be consistent with it way to see results um, is uh, is important. I'm sure you battle that all day, every day, people listening to, uh, you know, personal stories from, you know, whether it's influencers, and sometimes it even is, you know, medical professionals just talking about their own personal experience. And, and it's so individualized of what works for, for each patient and what mm -hmm. that person's circumstances, but, but you're battling well, this person said this and they use this and now their skin looks great, but we don't know what happened from, from point A to point B. You know, we just see the, the end result, which we think, oh, that looks great. I'm, then I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So we're, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly kind of un, uneducating, mm. not un, uneducating, you're educating, but like undoing. And like you said, simplifying routines, like, okay, no, you actually don't need to be doing that. Like even a vitamin C, love vitamin C. But for right now, while you're having these uncontrolled breakouts, this product and this formulation, you know, specifically may actually be making you significantly worse. So we back it yeah. off and then we'll kind of slowly add back in. Thank you. I think the reason why people end up doing this um, sort of thing is because it feels like there might be a shortcut you know, you see, you yes. see where you're struggling and you've tried a few different things and someone else sells you this dream of, you know, I took this supplement or I use this moisturizer or I did this, that or the other, use this device and look at my skin now. And I think what sometimes you, we don't realize it, as you say, we are very individual just because someone else responded to that particular thing doesn't necessarily mean that we will. I would also say that anything that sounds too good to be true 
often is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, so a sort of healthy degree of cynicism is often required. And then I think the other thing, obviously, is that, you know, sometimes things are not always as they seem. And um, one of the things that occurs to me is there's a, a woman who I know who was recommending skincare products, and I knew that she was taking Accutane to treat her acne at the right. same time, I, but didn't I see but didn't disclose people, it. Right. Yeah. Uh, you're my patient and I see you posting this stuff and I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like, I know you're on that. Like you said, Accutane or whatever product it is. And I'm like, te- you know, you're texting me on the side while you're posting this skincare that I know you're not using. It's crazy. I can't anyway. Yeah. So that, so I do think people do just need to like be a little bit careful about um, this sort of thing, because when things seem too good to be true, they often are too good to be oh, true. And if you had sure. more information, you know, or dug deeper, you would know. But anyway, I, I, I digress. I've gone away from skincare more to my, <laughs> to my fears Personal about social media. Soapbox, yes. <laughs> I want to tell you guys about my favorite supplement company, Thorn. Our family personally uses several of their products. So I use their collagen in the morning, and then I use a few things that were recommended by my headache doctors. The reason we use Thorn is they are so high quality, highly tested. They don't have fillers like so many other supplement companies do. They have partnerships with hospitals and organizations all over the country, like Mayo Clinic, Medical University of South Carolina, the UFC, huge athletic organizations. So if you are looking for high quality supplements, I always recommend Thorn. You can get 15% off any Thorn products by going to Thorn, that's Thorn with an E, thorn.com slash U slash Dabbleco. Create an account and you'll get 15% off and free shipping every time. I'll put that link in the show notes. And I want to talk about, too, skincare is certainly part of it and prescriptions are part of it. But the the way that I found you, um, Dr. Um, Doctor B, the gut health MD, is a friend, longtime friend of the podcast, bless him. And I reached out and I said, hey, I'd really like to talk about diet and gut health and how that's affecting our skin and partic- particularly acne. And And he said oh my gosh, you need to talk to my friend. She's so much you know, more educated on that. And that's really her her avenue. And so that's how I, I was able to get you to can somehow convince you to come on the podcast. But I would love to talk about, and this is such a big thing right now on social media. Also, by the way, I, I don't have my video to post, but I'm in my office, y'all. And the sun, it is 8 a.m. I have my sunscreen on. The sun is like beaming into my office. And so this is why we need to wear sunscreen from the moment you wash your face in the morning. Anyway, just pl- subtle plug for sunscreen. Like I'm sure you can see I'm like blinded. This is how sunny it is in my house right now. And it's eight o'clock in the morning. Anyway, so I want to talk about underlying causes and particularly diet and how you talk to patients about that, because that can be really difficult Yeah, to change. And well, yeah, how it does, can does, be. does it matter? I think it does matter. So I think I like to take a sort of holistic view to looking after skin. And, you know, because my focus is on acne, I think that's really important. I think as part of the education piece that I was talking about before, where we're sort of counseling people about how to look after their skin, we'll talk about what are the things that, let's talk about acne here, for example, what are the things that, you know, what are some of the inputs that can lead towards someone developing acne. Because I think people often come in and like, I really just want to understand what's going on here. Why is it happening? And 
I really wish there was one simple answer. You know, it's this thing, then you can remove it or identify. But acne is a multifactorial condition, meaning that there are lots of different things that kind of converge together to tip you sort of over a threshold for it to develop. And some of those things we can't modify, like our family history. We know that a positive family history of acne means you have a higher risk of it. But there are a lot of things that we can modify. And this is where um, diet comes into it. So we know that it's very unlikely. We can I can never say never. And I'm sure there will be people who say, hold on, I'm the exception. It's very unusual for food to be the only reason why someone has developed acne. But sure. The food that we eat and our nutrition can potentially dial up or down our baseline risk, okay, as one of these factors that converge together. And so I think it is important, you know, if we want to optimize our skin health and reduce inflammation in our skin from acne, um, we think about our gut-skin axis. So this, um, we, you know, we can leverage the connection between our gut health and our skin health to try and reduce the inflammation in the skin. So what are some of the things that people can do? I think the first thing that so let's talk about foods that we know can specific foods that may potentially aggravate acne. So we know that this is not going to be a shock to anyone, but sugary foods and drinks um, can aggravate acne. And that's part of a sort of group of foods that we would call high glycemic index foods. So these tend to be foods that have had the sort of fiber taken out of them and are considered to be more refined carbohydrates, for example. So your white bread, white rice, white pasta, this sort of thing. So these foods and sugary foods and drinks have this high glycemic index and these foods Mm -hmm. can potentially aggravate acne. We also know that in Western populations, dairy can sometimes be an aggravating factor for acne. There aren't as many studies as you'd like to think of to, you know, to, to confirm this. There's some observational studies. And for sure, it's not every single person who has acne in whom dairy is a trigger. So it's not like I'm giving blanket. Well, I can quite comfortably say we should all be mindful of sugary food and drink intake. And I'm kind of an 80-20 rule kind of person. I never say mm-hmm. anything's completely off the cards because life has to be worth living. But with dairy, it's a little bit more nuanced. And in some people, dairy can potentially aggravate breakouts or increase severity. It seems from data that we have that it may be um, that skimmed milk is potentially more problematic than whole milk. Uh, for really? Family. Yeah. Something to do with the skimming process um, may potentially be responsible for that. And also potentially milk and butter potentially more problematic than things like fermented dairy, like yogurt or cheese. So these are some of the things that the the research thus far seems to show. But as I say, no one's done clinical trials. This is observational data. So, so there's that. Unfortunately, there is no validated clinical test that we can do that tells you or someone else whether dairy is aggravating their acne or not. And so the best way to kind of try and tease this out, if you think that it may be relevant, or if you're curious and you've got acne, is to observe over a period of a month or so, when you have a big dairy load, so let's say you've had a 
you know, mm-hmm. something that's a big meal. It's got big dairy in Cheese it. Cheese pizza. Yeah. It's not like an allergy. So it's not like five minutes later, you're going to get a big breakout. That's right. the wrong sort of time frame. But a day or two later, do you get a big breakout? And does this happen every time you have a big dairy load? And can you see a pattern? And if you can see there's this sort of consistent pattern where you're increasing your dairy intake and you see that you break up more, then there may be a relationship in you. And then it may be worth going for a month where you reduce your dairy intake. I'm not saying cut it out completely, but reduce it and see whether your skin is better. You know, clearly, when you're doing this sort of test, it helps to do it not at the same time as you're just starting a new treatment for your acne or you've just changed your skin right. routine. Otherwise, you don't know which of these things is making the difference. But I think if you can see this clear sort of pattern where dairy is related to breakouts and when you reduce it, your breakouts get better, there may actually be a relationship for you. And it may be at that point, you have, think about whether on a longer term basis, you you may limit dairy, choose dairy alternatives, et cetera. So I just personally, if there's something there is a dairy alternative or really a plant versus animal alternative mm-hmm. in, in any sense, if there's an alternative that tastes good, I will typically choose that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just what I what, what we've done in our family for a long time. But we certainly like cheese. That's really tough. There's not a whole lot of cheese that is worth eating that is not not dairy. I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry, vegans. Um <laughs> There's some every now and then you'll get like really good something, but just as a whole. But that's just that's just kind of what I I do. But I'm wondering too. Okay, do do the lactose free products? I mean, I guess like you're saying, it's all just so anecdotal at this point. But the mm-hmm. skim that's super interesting to me that skim versus whole would make a difference. But I wonder if like the lactose free or those um, like ultra filtered milks that we have now. I, I don't know if any of those are are helpful, but there's like lactose-free cottage cheese and stuff like that. Is, do you think that makes a difference or we don't even, we don't really know? I'm not sure that it's the lactose. And by the way, I should say I'm not a nutritionist, so I'm coming at this from the angle of a dermatologist and sort of presenting sure. you, you the sort of data to, you know, where it, where it intersects with, with skin health. I'm not sure it's so much the lactose itself. It may be things like whey, for example, um, yep. in, um, in dairy that may be problematic because we do know that people who take whey supplements, for example, yep. the protein um, powders. Working out, may also end up uh, uh, seeing an increase um, in breakouts. So, so it's, it's, it's not really clear exactly which components of dairy. I would say it's not anecdotal evidence that dairy can aggravate acne. There is solid you know, research data, but it's just not, no one said, this group of people eats no dairy whatsoever for the next month. And this group of people eats this amount of dairy and we compare it. So they haven't done like randomized control trials or that sort of thing. So, so there, there is solid scientific evidence, but it's in observational studies rather than, than in like randomized randomized trial. Yeah, exactly. Other things I think that, you know, people want to know about. So we're talking about what we can't have often sounds like deprivation. And I think, it's really interesting. A lot of people who come and see me in the clinic, particularly young people, are cutting all sorts of things out of their diet, some based on the things that I've told you already. And I think eating a bit less sugar is not a bad thing. But some people will like be eating no carbohydrate or there are various other things they've read about and they're not eating. And I think we don't want to be promoting disordered eating and restricting eating just for the sake of it. So we have to be careful there. But I think often thinking about what we can add in, what we mm-hmm. can eat more of and what increases our health rather than thinking what we have to deprive ourselves of is a more positive way to think about it. And what we do know is that eating 
what improves our gut skin axis? So eating lots of plants, eating a variety of different plants. So when I say plants, I mean fruit and veg, not your house plants, eating beans and pulses, whole grains, nuts and seeds, getting good fats in your diet, extra virgin olive oil, this sort of thing, eating foods rich in probiotics and maybe some fermented food. So all of these things are ways that we can improve our gut health and by extension may also improve our skin health. And then there are specific supplements that people ask about with regards to their acne. You know, should I be taking supplements? You know, my feeling, my understanding from speaking to my colleagues who are experts mm-hmm. in nutrition is that it's, it makes most sense to take a food first approach. And if we can get mm-hmm. all these things I've mentioned in our diet, that that's optimal. Obviously, if someone has specific nutritional deficiencies, then, you know, it may be appropriate to be taking supplements. Yeah, exactly. So, I think we can all agree that sometimes it's appropriate to take vitamin D supplements. In the UK, the advice we're given is in autumn and winter, everyone should be taking 10 micrograms of vitamin D daily. We know that people who are vegan may need to take vitamin B12 supplementation, this sort of thing. But I think the two that come up most often for acne are zinc and omega-3. People ask Mm -hmm. me a lot about these. And there are some studies showing that zinc can have a favorable effect on acne. And there were some studies shown no benefit. So I think the jury is still out about whether... And, it doesn't and make it worse, per se. Also. Haven't heard anything saying it makes it worse. No. So that's good. Um, yeah. And then the other is omega-3, which we know can potentially reduce inflammation. And again, I think my, my feeling from speaking to experts uh, in nutrition would be getting it through your food would be ideal. You know, and that's typically oily fish. If you don't eat fish, then you may have to um, supplement. Um, uh, exactly. Um, but and people again, people really want to supplement just like they want a mask. Like what? And I know they're asking you what supplements should I take? And you just can't. I mean, I'm assuming you there's not really a supplement that you're like, oh, here's the, this is what you need to be taking, and that's that's what people want to hear is what should, what do, what can I add as a supplement when really we need to be adding more plants essentially. Yeah, I think focusing on getting the food aspect right. Supplements can end up being really expensive, um, oh, yeah. and if you want to then sort of sustain the benefits. You know, how long do you continue taking them for? You know, I I, th- I think. It can cost an absolute fortune to end up taking these things month after month after month after month. And some people are taking 10 or 15 different supplements. I mean, my understanding is there may be some benefit in taking a multivitamin, but it, it it's, you know, depends on what you're eating, you know, what your lifestyle's like, what yeah. your pre-existing health conditions are, et cetera. I know that vitamin D is, you know, it, that, you know, it, we're advised we should take an autumn and winter, certainly in the UK, but there's nothing else I routinely suggest people take unless they have a specific deficiency. Is there anything you routinely tell people, oh, you're taking this, this can make it worse without naming a specific hair supplement company? I'm wondering if you deal with that often. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not, uh, that may be a US based uh, mm-hmm. issue. So I'm not sure. We, we do mm-hmm. have, um, Oh, that's interesting. I, I so I'm not sure. No, I think I think things I'm often saying be mindful of are things like um, you know people who work out a lot who might be taking you know whey protein powder or supplements. And we say just be mindful that that might potentially be contributing. Interestingly, there is some data that vitamin B12 
can potentially aggravate acne. Now, it's not usually when it's taken in oral supplement form. It may be that when people are you know, having inject, injections, et cetera. It's not common. So only there's lots of people having vitamin B12 injections because they're deficient and not having acne as an outcome. So, but there right. is, but there, it can sometimes be an issue. So I think there is something around if you have to supplement B12 because you're vegan or if you have a medical condition, which means you don't absorb it properly and you have to supplement it, of course you should do that. But I think if you don't have any of those issues and you're taking a load of supplements often in mega doses just because the presumption is that these things are going to be helpful for you it's not always the case and you do some and can sometimes cause untoward or unexpected effects so like i see a bunch of people taking much higher doses of vitamin b12 than they need to be taking and then i said you, you i bet you didn't know that that could potentially be a cause of acne so yep. um things to think about yeah, that's what's in a lot of the hair supplements here is heavy doses of, of vitamin B. And then and people will correlate that with the worsening of their acne. And it's, it's super interesting. You trade one problem for mm. another. Um, mm. Okay. And then the last thing, because I don't want to keep you all day, which I could, but tell me, how do you deal with the difficult hormone conversation with women? I mean, that's it's so hard. We're on birth control or maybe perimenopausal, maybe menopausal, and we have all these fluctuations. And I feel like you, we have all these patients who didn't have acne as teenagers, and now they do in their 30s and 40s. And how do you approach that? So I think it's important to understand our hormones do really, and I think a lot of women know this, but our hormones do play an important role in our skin health. So our hormones communicate right. with all parts of our body. What actually causes acne is increased oil production and sticky dead skin cells mixing together and clogging up the pores. And our hormones, particularly hormones like testosterone, which we often think of as being a male hormone, but us females make it as well, and progesterone. Mm -hmm. So testosterone mm -hmm. and progesterone both rise in the second half of our cycle. And these hormones increase oil production in the skin. So they kind of create a sort of pro-acne environment where this sort of inflammation can then kick in. So people will often describe the cyclical nature of their acne as well. So towards the second half, you know, well, just before the period, around the time of the period, just after the period, the acne may get worse. And we know that onset of acne is for 90% of people during puberty. So times of big hormonal shift. And then the other big hormonal shifts we have in life are pregnancy and also mm -hmm. perimenopause, menopause transition. So it's common to get peaks of acne around times of these transitions. I think in terms of how we manage it, it can sometimes be a little bit, a, a bit of a difficult conversation. Agents that can potentially modify the hormones, I think are sometimes used as part of the toolkit for, for managing acne. But, you know, but I think it is a sensitive conversation. You need to take people's personal preferences into account. And again, it's not something I would ever force people to say, hey, you need to take the birth control pill to, to, to calm your acne down. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think it does help to understand the hormonal basis of it. So one in 10 women has an actual hormonal abnormality causing their acne. Polycystic ovarian syndrome is, mm -hmm. the, is the sort of most common one. And women who have PCOS have high testosterone levels. Um, and often there are other signs of this as well. So increased facial hair, thinning of the hair on the scalp, irregular periods, et cetera. But in, the, in, in women who 
don't have polycystic ovarian syndrome and have acne, our skin is hypersensitive to these slight changes in our testosterone as we go through our monthly cycle. And so it's almost like we are intolerant of our own changes in our, in, in our hormones d- during the month. And some of the treatment cool. strategies that can be helpful for acne are to reduce the sensitivity of our skin to those hormonal shifts. So we don't want to just block everything out and suppress our hormones. That's not the sort of approach, but what we want to do is get a better hormonal balance and that mm-hmm. can help. So there are medicines like spironolactone, for example, that um, can be helpful for balancing these androgen hormones which a lot of my patients do really well on in safe. It's well tolerated and it works really well. If, you know, and there's the contraceptive pill, but not everyone wants to take that. Yeah. And then, and then you're, you're always potentially thinking about, you know, other trading one, one issue for another with those. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard, but gosh, there's just a lot to think about. And I know oh, where, where can people find you? Cause this is so helpful. And I know you have a new course that you are teaching? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Dr. Justine Cluck, K-L-U-K. My website is drjustinecluck.com. And then the online course for female adult acne, it's a sort of, we call it personalized roadmap to understanding your acne and approach to managing it. And you can get a taster video. uh, If you go to my Instagram profile, click on the link in the bio, sort of 20 minute taster. Then if you like it, then you can buy the course. That's awesome. And what so what's in the courses at things like we talked about today where it's just management strategies or in education? What what do you talk about? It's totally comprehensive. I, I wanted to give people all the information that I give to my patients in the clinic. The thing I can't do for you is prescribe you or manage your acne for you directly right. through the course. But it's, you know, it's end to end. So it's what is acne? What is the process? What's actually happening in your skin and your body when you get it? It's what are the all, all the different underlying causes and how can they potentially be optimized or modified. It's um, what does acne look like and when is it not acne? When is it rosacea or folliculitis or actually something different? All the different downstream things that can happen from acne, red marks, brown marks, scarring. And then it's how do we actually, how do we manage these things, both in terms of skincare routine, like keeping it simple, being targeted, which actives to use. And then it's a whole overview of the different prescriptions that are available as well as I say, not with a route for me to prescribe, but for you to understand these are all the different options. These are the sorts of things for my acne that might be helpful. Right. And then when you go and have a conversation with your doctor, you know, you're like, this is the ballpark I know we're in. So this is the bit I think we're going to be discussing. I already know yeah. this is the thing that you know I don't want, or this is the thing that sounds like it might be a better option for me. Not to bully the doctor, I don't mean that, but just so that you can <laughs> turn, because otherwise you come to the conversation and you don't know and you just have to take their word for it. But I think if you have the background information, then you can, that dialogue is more helpful. And so it's it's those sorts of things. Um, and also the practical things for lifestyle, so how to look after your gut skin access, what managing stress, thinking about um, some of the hormone strategies. So that's all included in the course. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. Really appreciate it. And guys, as always, if you liked this episode, please share it, rate, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. 